man are worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work, and I am increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it is making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. amen. If you believe that, give me another amen. Amen. If you believe that the word of God is entering your heart today again, give me an amen. Amen. And I declare to you that that will be your portion today in the name of Jesus. Amen. God will give you light. He will give you insight. He will make your prayers powerful by reason of revelation in the name of Jesus. Amen. That is, you will know the right words to use in your prayer. And you will see results when you pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Let's take our seats, share the word, um, just discuss the word of God a bit, and then maybe we'll rise up later on to say a word of prayer. This is our school of prayer again. Let's open our Bibles. We'll start um, from where we have been reading again and again. The book of Exodus chapter 4 is where we'll begin from. We've been talking about the rod of God. It depends on the version of the Bible you use. You may call it the staff of God. Now, we know the story of how God met Moses in the wilderness. And then God gave him his staff, the rod that was in his hand. Let's just go down quickly to verse 17. He said, you shall take in your hand this staff with which you shall perform the signs. That is, God said to Moses, as you are going, I'm giving you a rod in your hand. And with that, you are going to perform signs. You are not going to use your own struggles to perform signs. You are not going to use the things that you have learned, all right, to perform signs, not the methods. But you are going to use the rod, the staff that I've given into your hands to perform your signs. And we see an example of that sign in the book of Exodus chapter 17. Let's quickly go there again. The people went to battle against Amalek. And you see, if you go down from verse... um, um, eight, you see that Amalek came and fought against Israel at Rephidim. So in, in verse 9, Moses said to Joshua, Choose men for us. Yes, it's right to have physical methods. And go out, fight against Amalek. He said, Tomorrow I will station myself on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Joshua did as Moses told him and fought against Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and her went up to the top of the hill. So it came about when Moses held his hand up that Israel prevailed. Now before I read this, let me just remind us again, before I read it further, I would like to remind us that Moses had an army for Israel led by Joshua. They may not have been a professional army, but they had men that were supposed to go to battle. And Joshua was their general. That is, He understood that you have material things around you. He understood that you will go to school and earn a certificate. He understood that you will learn a skill, all right, as a profession. He understood that, all right, you will have money in your pocket. There are many physical things around that you will have. But it was crucial to Moses that Joshua never, all right, or Israel never put their minds upon the material things that they had. So he said, Joshua, you go out to battle. Choose the men. Go out against Amalek. However, 
I will station myself on the top of the hill with the rod of God or the staff of God in my hand. And then, so now, back to where we were. The Bible says, Moses, in verse um, 11, it came about that when Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. That is, Joshua had his strategies. Joshua had his physical weapons. But victory was not decided by how well he used them. Victory was not decided primarily by the efforts that he put in. Victory was decided, first of all, by where, that by the position of the hands of Moses. And that was about the rod that he was carrying, not just his physical hands. And we see that the Bible says, continue, let's just continue reading. And while he let his hand down, that is, the first portion, he held up his hand. The second one, the hand fell down by themselves. I don't know whether you're getting the point here. It was not when he put his hand down. It was when he allowed the hand to come down. Please, you have to see the technique, the words inside there. One, he put up the hand. The other one, he let the hands down. Which means gravity was working upon the hand. Discouragement was working upon the hand. Economic stories were working upon the hand. No other things were distracting the hand. So he let the hands down. He did not try to put the hands down. Something pulled the hand down. But as soon as that happened, even though it was not a deliberate thing on his part, Joshua began to lose the battle. His certificate stopped working. His skills stopped working. The connections disappointed him. The strategies failed. 75 laws of power did not work again. Are you getting my point? Why? Because something dragged down the hands of Moses. Moses did not try to put down his hands. Something dragged the hand down. It was gravity. It was discouragement. Are you getting my point? It was the stories around the family pressure. Your grandfather is calling. Your wife wants to talk to you. Your children are not feeling well. All of those things dragged the hands down. And then Joshua began to lose the battle. Please, I hope you are getting the point I'm making here. It, it happened that when he let the hand come down, that Amalek prevailed. But my brother, my sister, sometimes you get tired of carrying your hands all by yourself. That's why the Bible says, iron sharpens iron. Do not forsake the gathering together of one another. A man has to encourage his brother. A woman has to encourage her sister. Are you getting my point? People must encourage one another. Are you getting me? There are times, I remember once, when somebody was ill and the wife and I were talking on the phone. I said, you go and sleep. Let us do the praying. Are you getting my point? Yes, you go and sleep. Let us do the praying. You need somebody to help you. And don't forget, somebody should, you must be a help to somebody also. What happened here? Moses, his hands were down. They were heavy. He had used both hands. So Aaron and her, they took a stone, gave him to sit down and supported his hands. Thus his hands were steady until the sun set. So that as a result of this, Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. You will notice that no detail was given us about the strategies in battle. You will notice that no detail was given us about when Joshua's hands were down. Are you getting my point? The Bible didn't give us that. He spent all the time talking about the position of the hands of Moses. Why? That was the main source of victory. You know this. Understood. Let's quickly read it. It's so important Christians get this point. We must get the point. Let's say all the devil wants to do, okay, is to bring your hands down. He can't push it down. He can't force it down. 
is to distract you and allow it so that you will let the hand come down. I said something the other time. Sometimes Christians pray, the devil, he will not take my money. Listen, don't pray stupidly. The devil doesn't spend money. He doesn't want it. He's not interested. He has more money than you have. I hope you get my point. The devil has more money than you have. Go to Mafia Don. Mafia Don had one of the richest men in the world at the time, alright, was Pablo Escobar. Forbes had to list him as one of the billionaires. The man was worth over $2 billion selling cocaine. El Chapo, in recent times, he became one of the richest people around also. Forget that thing. You don't, the devil doesn't want money. If he needed money, he knows where to find it. He will call El Chapo, send me $500 million. El Chapo is his guy. Are you getting what I'm going to say here? He will go to Italy, talk to a mafia don. Alright, Don Paladino, give me $500 million. I got something to do in Africa. They will give it to him. It's not a big deal. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? This, he, has, he doesn't want your money. If the devil takes your money in quotes, God allowed him to test your faith. What he's looking for was your faith. This man killed all the children of Job. He was not satisfied. Why? He, he never, he didn't have anything against those boys. He took all the money that belonged to Job. It didn't satisfy him. He was not interested in the money. He was going after just one thing. The faith of Job. What am I going to say? What does the devil want from us? Put your hands down. That's what he's looking for. He doesn't want your money. He wants you to put your hands down. That word that you are lifting up is a problem. He wants it to come down. That's why we talk about um, the fight against unbelief. I talked about um, how to... What's the name of that series? How to overcome the devil in your life? Something like that. I explained that you must know what the devil is looking for. Before you start praying, the devil, you won't get my money. He likes that prayer. Because when you are fighting for your money, he's able to get the other thing that he wants. He doesn't want your money. This is what is most important to the devil. Satan wants us to put our hands down. That's all. There's another point I want to make. Let's read one particular story again. Because you see something here. Uh, Moses spoke specifically to Joshua. You go to battle. I will go to the top of the hill. Now the Lord wanted to teach the same principle to Joshua. Go to the book of Joshua chapter 8. There's something we want to see there. As I'm preaching, I'm going to repeat myself again and again. But it's not I. It's the Spirit of God walking with me. Until we all get this point. Alright, Joshua chapter 8, please quickly open to it. Now what I want to bring forth here is just the lesson that God gave to Joshua. Now before we read it, alright, remember the story that happened in, um, in Ai when they were going to fight Ai or Ai, whatever, whatever you pronounce it. We remember that the first time they went to battle, now listen to this, they made some tactical errors. They said it's a small city. So they said we don't all need to go up and fight. Now, when they got there, things went very badly for them. The Bible says in verse 5 of chapter 7, the men of ice struck down about 36 of their men and pursued them from the gate as far as Shebiram, the Shebarim, and struck them down on the descent. So the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Now, we know what happened. Joshua went and prayed, and eventually they found out that the real reason why they lost the battle 
was because Achan had disobeyed God when they went to Jericho. Alright. Now, please, I, I started that by explaining the fact that they made a tactical error. They sent just a few thousand men to Ai, to Ai because they felt that it was a weak city. But they lost the battle. A natural person that wants to explain we say to you that the battle was lost because the men were not enough. Are you getting my point? And I, you see another thing that happened. They repented, of course. Punishment came upon Achan and his household. And then in chapter 8, the Lord now said to Joshua, Do not fear or be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you and arise. Go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. You shall do to Ai and his king just as you did to Jericho and its king. And you shall take only its spoil and its cattle as plunder for yourselves. He now gave me a strategy. Set an ambush for the city behind it. Now, first time they went with about two to 3,000 people. Second time, verse 3, Joshua rose up with all the people of war to go up to Ai. And Joshua chose 30,000 men valiant warriors and sent them out at night. Then he planned his ambush from verse 4. I, I don't have time to read everything. Now what I want to bring out is that God looked at this and said, Joshua, don't make the mistake of thinking that, that you have more men. Don't make the mistake of thinking that you have a better strategy. He said to him simply, now remember Joshua was the commander of the battle. But this time around, the Lord removed him from the battle. And see what the Lord told him to do. You see that, let's just go down to verse... Um, now, I'll, I'll get that in a moment. Now, if you see, from that verse um, 12, let's start from verse 11. The Bible says, Then all the people of war who were with him went up and drew near and arrived in front of the city and camped on the north side. And he took about 5,000 men, set ambush. Verse 13 now. All the army that was on the north side and his, and this rear guard on the west side of the city, Joshua spent that night in the midst of the valley. Now, you see, they had a good strategy I'm bringing out. Then in verse 15, Joshua and all Israel pretended to be beaten before them and fled. Then that way they drew the men of Ai out. Okay? Verse 17, So not a man was left in Ai or Bethel who had not gone out after Israel. And they left the city unguarded and pursued Israel. Now notice verse 18. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Stretch out the javelin that is in your hand towards I, for I will give it into your hand. So Joshua stretched out the javelin that was in his hand toward the city. The men in ambush rose quickly. Now, I read all of this to point out the fact that they had a very good military strategy. And it worked. But God made it clear to him, it, was not, it is not going to be because of the strategy. This victory is not a victory of strategy. This victory is a victory of the javelin in the hand that is pointed in the right direction. Are you getting what I'm going to say here? The Lord said to him, stretch out the javelin that is in your hand towards I, for I will give it into your hand. So Joshua stretched out the javelin that was in his hand towards the city. The men in ambush rose, against, rose quickly from their place. And when he had stretched out his hand, they ran and entered the city and captured it. Now, I want you to notice something here. Let's just start from verse, let's jump on to verse 24. Now, when Israel had finished killing all the inhabitants of Ai in the field, in the wilderness, 
where they pursued them, and all of them were fallen by the edge of the sword until they were destroyed. Then all Israel returned to Ai and struck it with the edge of the sword. All who fell that day, both men and women, were 12,000. All the people of Ai. All the people of Ai. Verse 26. For Joshua did not withdraw his hand, with which he stretched out the javelin, until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. I want you to understand something here. It was not just, okay, a signal, move. No. It was a spiritual sign. God was telling him, listen, this time you have a very good strategy. You do you have. Before you had them, you made a tactical error when it comes to warfare. The plan was bad. You thought the city was small. I remember I did my youth service in a, 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 a Nigerian battalion, all right, battalion of Nigerian army. And I used to just with the soldiers. And they told us that if you are going to number, if you're going to attack an enemy and you have 1,000 soldiers, you plan with 3,000. That you like to overwhelm your enemy. You understand? You don't want to get down and be discussing who will win. Apparently, that's what they were taught as part of their military strategies. First time Joshua went to battle, he made an error. He did not take enough men. And things went badly. And then, this time around, they made corrections. Now, let's forget Achan. Let's forget the sacrifices and the repentance. Let's forget the punishment on Achan. Let's forget the purging. Let's look from a military strategy level. This time around, what did they do? They took enough people. Came out with 30,000. They plotted. He, he had enough, 5,000 people, enough to draw the people of Ai out of the city. He had enough camped somewhere else. My God, the, the strategy this time was, was good. The strategy was very good this time around. Except for one thing. God said, this boy will soon miss the point. If he had rushed into battle, life would have been hard that day. But God just said, hey, come, 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 come. You, stand here. Point your spear. Point your jab in that direction and keep that hand up. If you bring the hand down, we know the story from Moses. With your 30,000 men, you will run from this battle. The temptation is that if they start running, Joshua will rush into the battle to go and command. That's the human temptation. Are you you getting what I say here? That's the human temptation. But the fact is that if he had done that, they would have lost some more. When When the battle was rough, what the man was supposed to do was, check out, is my spear pointed at the correct angle. It was not the time to run to the battle and say, let's add more men, all right, to the, to, to, to the battle. Let's add a general who can command. What is Eliab doing there? Eliab, that's not how to command. No. It was, listen, pick up your javelin and make sure it is pointed in the right direction. The Bible says clearly to us here, this man did not allow his hand to come down. Joshua did not withdraw his hand, withdraw his hand with which he stretched out the javelin until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. I want to just emphasize that to us again as Christians. Remember, let me just remind us of this. What's our own, um, um, what do you call it, rod? What's our staff? It's the word of God. We read that from the book of um, uh, Jeremiah. He said, what do you see? He said, I see a rod of an almond tree. And God said, you have seen correctly. I am watching over my word to confirm it. That is, the rod of God is the word. He said to Jeremiah, I put my words in your mouth. With these words, you are going to break down. You are going to uproot. You are going to pull down. You are going to overthrow. With these words, you will build and you will plant. God said to Moses, with this word, all right, with this rod, you will go out and you will do battle. You will do a science. Now, I want to say something to us again as believers. We must never forget it. I said something before. You see here. Physical things will happen. One day, one brother shared something with me. He said, I was thinking... Why do men lock their doors and all of that? After the safety is of the Lord. Are you getting my point? 
So then he read the scripture. That the Bible said, except the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen are awake in vain. He said, okay, which means it is right to have the watchmen there around the city. But we know that safety is of the Lord. You are getting my point. That is, natural things happen. You will have to make plans for your business. You will have to go out at the appropriate time. You will have to employ good staff. You probably apply for a good job. If you have, if you are in school, you should aim now for two reasons. All right. One reason is because excellence is the will of God. You should aim to get a very good grade. You set your, if you are just coming, entering into school, you have a good time. First year is still in front of you. You set your target of having a first class. Not because you want to use to get a job. Even if you do, you don't want a job. It is simply because excellence is of God. You set your target high. Lord, this is what I want to do. Like I said the other day when I was preaching on Saturday, that had a classmate, the best student who was in my class. We studied medicine. He, I'm not sure the boy finished house job. He made up his mind. This, this, this syringe I need to, will not carry him far. He's not a believer. I'm just going to say, you understand? And if he finished house job, I can't, I'm not sure. But let's assume he did. But he definitely didn't practice medicine beyond that level. So I'm going to say that. So we're not talking about get it so you can get a good job. Even unbelievers get the certificates and throw them away. However, excellence is of God. Amen? Amen. It's of God. It's of God. Now, so that's one reason we must strive for excellence. However, however, and that's what I'm talking about. We do all of these things like Joshua had a good military plan. But we know that victory does not come from that military plan. Which means, and how you know where your confidence is in, all right, is in how you put effort into whatever it is. Those days when we're in school, when exam is coming, some people will disappear from fellowship. You won't see them again. You won't see them again. Why? He said, listen, if you are not a student here, I mean, you won't be going to fellowship. Make sure that you remain a student. What they are trying to say is that fellowship is a waste of my time academically. Are you getting my point? Spending time in church is a waste of time. Now, many of those who have wasted all their time watching films. When they now want to catch up with time, it is, my fellowship on campus is very disciplined with time. All right? And towards exam time, we don't have many activities. We had only four hours a week. Yet, people will abandon those two hours to go and read some more. What does that tell you? No matter the faith they claim to have, they don't believe that the word is the source of victory. That is a matter of fact. Some people, when they get to final year, they abandon fellow. In fact, I still remember one guy very, very well. Very dedicated from first year till third year. Final year, we did not see him until the very end. Why? He was trying to get a first class or a second class upper. So he could get a, maybe a good job later on when he will leave school. What am I teaching again today? That is not where victory is. That was why God said specifically to Joshua, come, come. Moses understood it. Good enough. Moses was not a warrior. It was Joshua. He said, Joshua, you go to battle. But let me assure you, I'll be defending you behind. The more important person in that battle was Moses, not Joshua. With all the effort Joshua was putting in, if the hands of Moses went down, he was going to fail. What am I saying? The source of your victory, where you will win from, is not what you are doing outside, though. It's what you are doing inside. Please, let me say it again. If you like, read from now till tomorrow as a student. If your rod, if your staff 
is not positioned properly, you will fail. If you appear to have succeeded physically, you have just been set up for a worse failure later. If you are a preacher, the same thing. There are preachers who spend all their time networking. Papa is coming to town. They join the community to welcome him. Why? So that if Papa gets to know them, they can become exposed. If you get that kind of exposure, it only makes your falling bigger. You know, if you commit sin, not only you, nobody knows you. God will forgive you privately. But when you're a big man on television, social media will kill you. That's what happens to those who are exposed before, before their time. That is what happens. No matter, look, many people don't, that is the, in business the same thing. You're very disciplined with waking up early, getting to the office by 8 o'clock, which is good. Discipline is a mark of Christianity. Order is a mark of Christianity. We believers, we are disciplined in what we do. Your front, uh, front desk officers should be neatly dressed, speak nicely to their clients. These things are important. Nobody's saying they are not. Joshua should go to battle. Joshua should go to battle. However, <laughs> if because of all of these structures you have up there, they say, okay, in the early in the morning, let's declare the word of God. Say, there is no time. <laughs> are you getting my point? Yes, we have to be open before. So, listen to me. Let your customers wait. They will come back. If you have to declare the word, please take time out to declare it. If you will sac- l- listen, you will know what is important to you. By what you are ready to sacrifice. That's what I'm going to say. Many people, you know what, 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 they, what they like to sacrifice is the word time. They can, look, they, they will not sacrifice other things. So. Meetings in the office, they must not miss. Meeting a client, they will not miss it. But there is a seminar that's holding which you are going to discuss the will of God concerning your life. Ah, when is it? No, there's no time. Business must continue. What is happening? Moses, your hands are falling down. The hands of Moses are coming down. That is what is happening. That's what is happening. No matter how good the strategies are outwardly, if the hand is not in the proper place, failure is the portion of the child of God. And that's what I've been saying again and again. Just using these stories to emphasize it again. God had to pull Joshua back. Say, Joshua, don't make this mistake of thinking you will correct the battle, the problem in uh, in I by having a better military strategy. No matter what the military strategy is, victory is of the Lord. And he said, what do you do therefore? Come behind, take your javelin and point it as a sign that victory is of God. And Joshua was careful to keep the hand up I believe he had learned from Moses. Remember, it was Moses' right hand man. He had learned. Moses told him, ah, said there was a time the weather changed. All right, during the battle, I don't know what happened. Twelve of our men fell. They almost killed one. I had to rescue him. At that time, three of them began to run. I don't know what was pursuing them. Moses said, what time was that? And it was around that just after noon. Ah, that was when my hands fell down. Okay, your hands fell down. Stop that joke. <laughs> Say no, 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 Aaron, Aaron was there. Aaron quickly put it back up. And I noticed that a few minutes after, the men that were running suddenly turned around as if the spirit possessed them. They returned to battle. He said, that was when Aaron kept my hand up and her hair held the other side and were able to keep the staff up. Joshua said, praise God. There was a time when that man ran away. He said, ah, oh, I was distracted by a, a bee that was... <laughs> 
What am I saying? The source of your own victory in life is the word of God that's kept up by your mouth. Listen. I said it before, let me say it again. Everything you say, you hear. Either it's full and it man. Niger Delta Avengers. Um, the president is not feeling well. Or tomato crop failure. No matter what you hear, all of it is to change what you are saying. To you not start discussing something else. There was something my wife, I, I, I discussed about it here sometime ago when I discovered it. But, you know, we actually were backstabbing a bit from it. I started at that time, but we were falling behind. We should start it again. I said, and let me say it again, you must create a habit of just talking the word of God. What do I mean? Let me give you an example. Sometimes I stay with my friends on the phone. One hour. My wife did this. Then my wife did that. Then Ronaldo did this one. And Cristiano did this one. And did you hear that Federal did this one? And then Nigeria Stock Market did this one. And Nepal did this one. And PSNA responded like this. You can be there for one hour. And what are you talking about? And it's nice, geez, nothing bad. You're talking about the events around and all of that. And just talking and talking and talking and talking. None of these things can God confirm. Grace is not released to any one of them. They are commentaries about life. Some of them are not bad, though. They are not gossipful. Some of them men are not really gossiping. They're just talking real things. They're just talking. But even that talking of real things does not release power. The Bible says, let the meditations of my, of my, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable. Now, that's very important. Very important. The Bible says, those that fear the Lord spoke often one to another. Bear that one in mind. And when you read that one in Malachi, when they say those that fear the Lord spoke often one to another, what happens is that some were say, speaking and saying that it's vain to serve God. But they didn't say that. They turned around and were encouraging one another in the service of God. What I want to bring out is that the Bible says the Lord heard. You should create a habit of just keeping the rod up while discussing. What do I mean? Somebody's not feeling well. This is how to talk. I mean, possibilities. What did the doctor say? Have they done the test? What was the PCV? Is it true that one of, one of the relatives died like this? How much is the surgery? We can talk like that. Ah, you have not slept for two days. The next 30 minutes, we are discussing this problem. And we are not releasing power. And one of the things I found out recently, but I, told you I had some quarrels with some of my brethren. Many times people are, they say, pray, oh, pray, oh. Why should we pray? The other day, this one happened in the north. The other day, they tell you all the problems. The nurse say, do what? Pray. And you know the truth? The prayer doesn't work. I'll tell you why it doesn't work. All you have is the knowledge of the problems and the fear that was ignited. Then you rush to prayer. There was no discussion on the plan of God concerning the situation. That prayer does not work. There's, there's a way you lift up the rod of God under such circumstances. Somebody is sick. Oh, this fellow is sick. Eh. But what does the Bible say? I don't know whether you're getting my point. The Bible says that by the stripes of Jesus, we have been healed. Now, you've not talked about the pain. You've not talked about the situation. You have not said anything. You're just talking the word of God. Then you start reciting testimonies. The other time, they said this man was sick. But he declared the word of God at the end of two weeks. The doctors couldn't find anything that was wrong. Are you getting my point? That's meditation that is acceptable. 
before the Lord. You see that in Nigeria as an example. Many things going on. You can see that analyze everything. And that's why I read news, alright? I read news. But you know, I hardly ever read news analysis. All this back page Guardian, back page this day, back page punch, back page sun, back page. I'll give my personal advice, stop reading them. And that's not a joke. Don't waste your time. One, the men don't know what they are talking about. Nine times out of ten, they don't. But that's not my reason. My reason is that they are trying to form your opinion for you. You don't realize it. They are controlling your life. Oh, God, you don't get it. When I pick a newspaper, I, most of the time I, I read online. I just search for the headlines. I, I, I want to hear facts. What I mean is that federal government has announced that from next week, fuel price will be this because it will be fully deregulated. That is, that is facts. I don't want to hear an analysis of the conspiracy theory behind it. Because men always have conspiracy theory. You wonder where they, where they are going. That is why I don't read news analysis. I hardly ever do. Maybe in a year, probably read like twice. In one whole year. Why? Because they are producing meditations that are not true. People look at... And when you see... When they say, Guardian said this. Guardian didn't say it. One man said it. I don't know whether you get my point. Sometimes they say, Newsweek said. Newsweek did not say. One man said. And it was published. That's all. This thing don't even go through what they call peer review. Newspapers, articles don't go through peer review. They are not scientific publications, so there's no peer review. People just say what they want to say. I remember we sit down at home and be reading it and imbibing it. Call it, I wish you say, whatever entertains you, enters you. You see that, I've seen one day, one, somebody was telling me that, I read these things and everything they say is true. I said, how do you know? You see, you have so, it has so entered you, you believe everything they write. It was this day, we're talking about that day. At the back of this day, was a woman I was talking about, one of our church people. That everything that they say is true. I said, how do you know? I said, I don't read it because everything they say is false. She was giving me things, telling me what's happening in the country. I said, how do you know? Ah, read the back of this day. I said, it's all a lie. Now, the fellow who's writing it has taken you over. You actually think it's true. What am I going to emphasize? One, of the, one important way we keep the rod up is by just talking about the word of God all the time without discussing the situation. My wife and I started it that time, but we're, we're backsliding from it a bit. I'm happy I'm reminding myself again. That is, this time you're not talking about any other thing more than God's word. Uh-huh. So, when a man is not feeling well, what is, what, what is really going on? Oh, is, it, is the devil trying to make it look like the word of God is not working? But the word of God actually says, by the sight of Jesus Christ, you have been healed. No evil shall befall you. No place shall... Uh, you're not praying, no. You have not said, in the name of Jesus, I, I rebuke this sickness. I, I command this sickness to go. No. We are just talking. We start from Genesis. Uh, do you know the first time men began to fall sick was at this point. But this was a sacrifice. You're just talking, talking scripture. And then when the sacrifice came, which was a foreshadow of Jesus that will come, you know, when this man sacrificed this, God forgave him and this one happened to him and he will recover. Remember, there was a time Ezekiah was sick and then he prayed 
And after Isaiah told him he was going to die, and then God had mercy on him, and they applied the cake of figs onto the boy, and the man recovered. It was not the cake of figs, though. It was the power of God. You understand? Everywhere Jesus went, he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. Do you know that the fact that God is with somebody is shown by how he's been healed of all his troubles? You're just talking. There was a time Paul was stoned. Do you know? They thought he was going to die, but he did not die. Why? Because there was a spirit that was working inside him. And that spirit gave life to his mortal body. You have not prayed about anything, no? That's the stories. And it shall come to pass at, at one time that death will be banished, sickness will be banished, and will live before the presence of God eternally with glory, with health, with everything. You're just talking the word of God. Though. Do you know there was a time I was going to a particular message? He said that that scripture in that Romans chapter 8. He wasn't talking theory. He was just explaining that if the spirit of Christ that raised the spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us, he will give life to our mortal bodies. My God. Are we believers? Yes, we are believers. Do we have life? We have life. Why? Because we are in Christ and life is in him. Oh, amen. Let's give the Lord thanks. Just give the Lord thanks. We haven't prayed about anything, no. Believe me, we do that constantly. That's immunization. Do you know we talk more about armed robbers than about divine protection? Think about it. Think about it. We talk more about, oh, do you know armed robbers are now back in town? Eh? Ah, yes, now. They went to this part of town the other day. And they attacked a man at, at midnight. They beat him, broke his hand, broke his left head. And stole 500 naira they saw on him. We kept people because of 500 naira. Say now, wow. They will not say something which is not true. What I mean is that it's true, but there's no faith. He say, hey, it's God that will protect somebody. Which is a way of saying that man, we are dead though. <laughs> it's like when some clowns finish making a movie, they say to God be the glory. You know you know there's nobody. Okay, that's it. We end it with, hey, it's God that will just keep somebody. Meanwhile, we don't believe in it at all. We are afraid. Our steps after that time is dogged with fear. What am I going to say? We keep the stories around up. We don't keep the word up. How do you keep the word of God up? Just talking about it all the time. There's another scripture I want to read. The book of Matthew chapter 7. I'm talking about the word of God. What I'm talking about, last time we talked about the fact that we should lift it up and keep it up. Now I'm talking about how to keep it up. Until Joshua experienced total victory, his, his hand was up. And that was his source of victory, not the military strategy. If you like, go and learn. You know, you know some people like to collect degrees and acquire, you know, go for courses. Course, courses are good. I'll tell you again today. They are natural things. Amen? Amen. Victory is of the Lord. Is determined by where the hand is kept, where the rod is positioned, because that is the real source. If the rod is up, if, you know, let me tell you something. When the rod is up, eh, if God needs thirty thousand men, He will tell Joshua take thirty thousand. Then uh, Gideon will take thirty thousand. Say to where? <laughs> I don't know whether you're getting my point. God will say to where? Come on, remove them. They they whittle down to three hundred. The same amount of victory, no difference. So, the Bible says, it's the same with God to save with a few. 
or to save with, with a multitude. That is, it is, he's the one that's saving. It's what he wants to use that's the issue. Are you getting my point? And believers, we must learn to focus our eyes totally on the salvation of God, not the method that he used last time. He uses different methods. We just have to learn to keep our eyes on him all the time and keep the rod of God lifted up above our lives. I said we should open somewhere, right? Where? Matthew chapter 7. Very good, very good. It's something we all know very well, but just I want to read the Bible. The book of Matthew chapter 7. You know, he said in verse 7, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For anyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now, let's just stop here. Now, you know what the Lord Jesus was saying here? There are three principles of getting results. There is asking. There are times you just simply make a request. Let your request be made known unto God. Then there are times you seek. And seeking has two things. Sometimes you seek to find out what exactly has God said about the situation. Maybe you did not know that before. Sometimes God says, listen, I've... I've I have heard you. Now, I want you to get off from here and go to Zarifat and go and seek for a woman there. Are you getting my point? That's the person I have told to help you. So the word of God is guiding you while you are making your research or while making your search. Then another time, time he now said, there are times in which the answer comes from knocking. You are before a door. You are before a hard place. You are not seeking now. You are found. Are you getting my point? But the thing is inside and is hidden. And then what do you start doing? Start knocking. And he said, if you have a, an amplified rendering, it says, knock and do what? Check it. Check it. If you have an amplified Bible. It says you should knock. Amplified. Yes. Thank you. He said, he who keeps, he said, he, to him who keeps on knocking, the door will be what? Open. You know, I was meditating. And I, my mind just went to that. Now, what, was this, what exactly was he saying? Then I remembered Moses. Now, I want to draw an, an analogy from this, all right? I'm not saying this is the only interpretation you can give it, just my own analogy. God said to Moses, also in that um, um, Exodus chapter 17 we're reading just now, he told him the people were, they needed water. Water is in that rock. Are you getting me? So what do you do? Knock. Thank you very much. <laughs> I like the, you, you quickly caught on to that. He said, okay, you have asked. Fine, I have given you a word. Now, how, what do you do? You get to the rock and do what? Knock. With the same rod. <laughs> it's not praying time now, but what? Knocking time. Now, what, what am I trying to draw from there? That again in life, even though something appears hard, God says, if you knock hard enough and you knock long enough, it will open. The problem is that people are not persistent in knocking. They don't keep the rod raised up. I said something at the beginning that what we do or what happens in life is that so many things cause our hands to drop. 
We are very busy. Are you getting me? Yeah, we are very busy. There are so many worries. Think, and there's so much news. So much news analysis. These things, what they do is to crowd our hearts. We don't know when our hands drop. You get home, your husband comes back, or you are the one that comes back, and then you have to fill in the whole day of all the bad things that have happened. You know what happens? The hands drop. That's what is happening. And then you, hear, you, you turn on the TV, you spend one whole hour watching Calamity News Network, telling you the latest calamity in the world. You know what's happening? The hand is what? Dropping. We all fall for these things, even me preaching. Believe me, we don't spend enough time with our rods lifted. What did he say here? He said, when you get to the hard place, what do you do? Knock without rod. Knock. In fact, I believe later on in Numbers chapter 20, what happened was that Moses had thought that the knocking was about the stick. He did not realize that that stick represented something. So God told him, okay, this time around, when you get there, this is where I begin to worship your stick. They don't know that the stick for me is just a sign of where my authority is. So when you get there next time, don't use the stick. What do you do? Show them exactly what's inside the stick. This time around, look at the rock and do what? Talk to it. What was he trying to explain in effect? That is, the stick is a sign. Now, I'm drawing this out of these things. Of the working of the word. So when something is hard in life, what do we do? We speak. Now, listen to this. You don't speak your own words. I need to emphasize that. That is where... I differ with many of the doctrines on positive confessions that we teach. You don't speak your own words. What do you speak? Look, you need to just read out scripture without making sense with it. Some will say, as I'm about to enter this office, I'm going to get a job. They're going to give me a job in the name of Jesus. They'll give me a contract. They will help me. They will help me. They will help me. (laughs) One of my friends once, it happened to him. His landlord didn't like the fact that he was a believer and he used to do night vigil in his house and all of that. So he and his wife, they decided to do something about it. You know what they did? They prayed. And they declared that when the man sees them, his heart will soft. They declared that the man is going to hell. They believed God. When they got to the man's house, they got to the gate. The moment the man found that it was their own, told them to lock the door. Yeah, they thought the car was their own. Listen, they were confused. Like, did we not pray? Now, you're getting what I'm saying. The moment they, of course, they had confessed everything. The moment they got there and the man saw who it was, he told them to lock the gate. He didn't let them in. Of course, that is all this prayer, you know, the way we, we, those of us that no faith can be. 